What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. On the other side, David Lake. Miami, 1-0. They take care of business on Thursday night. Uh, Previous seasons, we've done an instant reaction podcast from the Hard Rock Stadium parking lot, but um, because it's 2020 and things are different, we're now doing a morning after show and i think it's gonna be a little bit better because we can digest and kind of process some things uh david how is how you doing i know it was a late night for you coffee's flowing i could hear you (laughs) pouring it in the background um just give me give me your initial thoughts man game one of year two of the diaz era yeah i mean i think it was a strong way to open the season um now Are there things that need to be built upon and improved? Yes, no doubt. But I think we need to understand the context of what Miami was coming from at the end of 2019, and then understand the context of what the team had to navigate, specifically the offense, with installing a new style, uh, a new system through the strangest off season you could possibly have. Um, You know, I think all things considered, it was a strong start by the offense and the defense. Um, And and we can hop into it. I mean, look, again, there are things that need to be improved, but um, overall this, this was a good game, a good performance by the hurricanes. Do you agree with that? I, I absolutely agree. I, I feel like I have to talk some people off the ledge yeah. here. I mean, I do not right. – I know, um, you know, there's not a lot of positive stuff on Twitter. I mean, just read comments on anything right. about anything, and you're going to have negative people. But you read some of the social media, you see some other media personalities. I mean, I, I, they think, like, this was terrible performance, and I just don't see it. I, I, I woke up this morning – and I was driving to the gym and I was like, you know, if I had to give a grade to Miami, like I would give them a B or a B plus. Um, but, you know, I, it's to me, people complaining about the offense. I don't get it. Like, let's not forget Miami scored zero points against Louisiana Tech in their last outing. Uh, and they run for over 300 yards, move the ball. Uh, like I've never seen them do in terms of the run game. I think it was it was the right. most rushing yards uh, against an FBS opponent since 2014. Look, man, um, UAB, from what I, I talked to someone who's inside Miami's program, like they came out with a defense that they have never shown before. And right. like, look, I mean, that happens all the time in football. I mean, it's a chess match, but Miami was expecting something else. They got this look and they ran the ball like you know they wanted to win the game they ran the ball would they love to take some more vertical shots sure but um the the run game worked uh my my big key coming into the game was like you know convert some third downs seven of 17 on third downs two for two on fourth down like i i came out of that game really liking it and people are complaining about the defense i mean aside from that muff punch short field he only gave up seven points, and really, you know, that should have been a field goal if it wasn't for uh, the Quincy Roche jumping off sides and what was kind of a Bush League uh, little tactic to get him to jump. So I, I thought it was a solid game. You know, B for me, I, what would you score it? 
I'm with you, B, B plus. Um, you know, you touched on it. Running for 337 yards, I believe, was the final tally. That is elite. So your offense did something elite. That's something to be happy about. I mean, you said, I mean, it's true. The first time since 2014 that, that or the, the most they've run for since 2014, since 2004, um, it was the second most. So in the last, what, 16, 17 years, this was the second best rushing performance against an FBS team. I know people don't want to hear it, but this UAB defense is better than you realize. Yes. Um, they are very well coached, very sound with executing assignments. And in spots, you know, honestly, I think their front seven is fairly legit. Group of five, power five, however you want to classify it. I think it's a good defense. So to run for... And like you said, uh, I mean, Derek King mentioned it after the game too. They threw wrinkles at Miami's offense. So Miami had to adjust. Um, you know, they went fairly vanilla, I think, as well, and just kind of leaned on their identity, right? So that was another key coming into this season, coming into this game. Can we, what what can identity we, are you going to establish? Yeah, Go no. I mean, no, and think about it. Last year, how many times on this podcast did we say, "Yeah, I don't really right. know what Miami's identity is." Like, if you're asking me right now, this is power spread. Um, they're gonna want to just run it down your throat, and you know what? I'm all here for it. Uh, I guess if I had to kind of critique the offense or you know play armchair quarterback, it's like maybe, sure. maybe, maybe some more RPOs. I mean, there was times when it became pretty obvious sure. where. If it's not a handoff, then he's dropping back and looking to take a shot. And I think we saw that in the second half as the game progressed. I mean, the ball to Jeremiah Payton, that was, a, that was an RPO. Uh, I think the long gain to, to Brevin Jordan. I mean, that's one of my critique. But I, 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 we've gotten this far. Like, can we talk about De'Ara King? He was as good as advertised, man. Uh, the, yeah. What was it, the play in the – I forget what quarter, where he spun out of a sack and threw it to D. Wiggins, who somehow got a, a toe down. I mean, I texted you right away because I wasn't at home. I, I wasn't yeah. at Hard Rock Stadium. I'm like, that's a that's a 15-yard loss with Jaron Williams. And, you know, now Dan okay. Enos is staring at his play, play sheet, and you're at a huge negative play. I think – so during the game, I was kind of doing a, a rough tally of like, okay, how many times would this have been a sack last year? And Oof. I think – like through the third quarter, I got to like four or five and I kind of stopped keeping track after that because I was focused in on, on writing my stuff in the third and fourth quarters. But yeah, I mean, how many times did he turn literal sacks, like dead to right sacks into plus gains? Um, whether it was buying time to throw the, the, the play you referenced or there was that one ridiculous play where he literally hit two spin moves, yeah. uh, you know, ran up field for, I don't know, 15 to 25 yards. I forget the exact numbers. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. And look, I think it's, it's fair to say, too, we've brought up in this podcast going into the season. In 2020, there might be a trend of the passing offenses being behind the running offenses, right? because passing takes precision and chemistry um, that's that was lost during the spring and summer months so the hope would be 
that area of Miami's offense can improve as the season progresses. The rushing offense, we saw. It's there. Um, I think Derek King flashed the ability to pass. Like, I don't think there's any question that he can pass. I think the question with, with the passing offense is that chemistry and being on the same page with the receivers. Because particularly in the first half, it was pretty clear there was times where they just weren't on the same page. I think, too, the receivers need to get used to playing with Derek King. Um, you know, in these scramble drill type situations, they need to understand what King's looking for to, you know, run with him, whatever direction he's scrambling to. And once they kind of get more on the same page, I think we're going to see the passing offense start to flash some more explosive plays like we saw the running offense have on Monday night, but, or sorry, Thursday night. But yeah, overall, um, Dear King, I'm with you. He was legit. The only thing, the only negative I would say, you referenced it, the, the missed throw on the Jeremiah Payton uh, touchdown. Like, yeah, I, I think it's a harder play than most people think, though. But yeah. Fair, but he was wide open. I mean, it, and look, those plays are going to be there this season. Uh, that kind of shows you the pressure he puts on a defense. We saw it, too, with his first touchdown, the 12-yard uh, run for a touchdown where UAB essentially is in, you know, dropping back into coverage to take away a passing touchdown. Derek King sees a crease, runs forward, dives for the end zone, what, three or four yards out and gets in for the score. So, um, you know, again, I think it's important to understand what Miami is coming from on offense. Um, how many how many of those of those plays would have been positive plays for Miami's offense last year? I don't think get, that many. Let me throw some more numbers at you. Four for four in the red zone for Miami. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is. Yeah. Um, last season, Miami only had two plays go over 60 yards. Uh, against UAB, Cam Harris had a 66-yard rush. So we're already at 50% of where they were last yeah. season. And like Miami didn't really, you know, throw it. I mean, they kept trying to take shots to Mike Harley. Um, the only yeah. other thing I'll say about this offense, and I, I kind of messages you, like they don't have a true wide receiver one. And that became Fair. pretty apparent, I thought, last night. Like, is, is D. Wiggins wide receiver one? Like, I think he might be, and which I'm fine with. Like, you know, good for him, but. Um, there's there's a void there when they need a guy to step up and kind of be the guy, if that makes sense. They need they need the receiver group to step up. Um, and, and we saw, you know, the third quarter was the best quarter for the offense. And a big reason for that was the emergence of Brevin Jordan. I think all his, you know, receptions and yards happened in the third quarter. Miami's offense started, started moving with a rhythm um, and balance in that third quarter. So yes, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end, they need someone to step up there. Um, I agree. You know, it kind of looked like D Wiggins in game one. I'm not necessarily convinced that's going to be the case the rest of the season. Um, but we will see what else. Okay. Tell me this. What did you think of the tempo? Cause 78 plays. 
I think that's really good. I mean, considering. Yeah, I think I think Miami averaged 65 last season. That's what the, the TV broadcast right. said. Um, my take on that, I think, what, what did we see in the third quarter? Miami started taking over. Uh, yes. I think we saw the what the yes. David Feely effect can be because when Miami pushed the tempo, I mean, UAB was gassed and it looked like the Hurricanes were ready to go, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I think that will be something to track as the season goes on. Um, just I, I love the tempo. And yeah. especially when you have three different running backs who seem to be capable of picking up big gains then like you are are able to do that um so i i, I yeah. thought that that was great and i do think yeah. there was a few times when they, they could have even gone faster but you know they had some receivers miscommunication about who was going in and out and then once one guy comes out you have to let the other team sub but um you know i think that was the feely effect we saw in the third quarter 78 plays and they took their foot off the gas you know in the last what six seven minutes in the fourth quarter so those two those two drives were painful to watch (laughs) so you know essentially would have been 80 plus basically i mean that's that's a pretty good first week in my opinion offensive line what what was your reaction what were what are your thoughts on, on how they performed still a work in progress but as we noted in the podcast coming to this like i think they played a pretty good uh front seven like those were some legit pass rushers i think what was the number they gave up two or three sacks um two. yeah yeah two so I, and it probably should have been more but derek's pretty elusive like i think i i mean i can get i plan on getting on this a little bit later in but like Miami wants physical athletic offensive linemen that can kind of drive and run block. It's, it's pretty, right. you know, and, and it, it, when you take that into consideration and you see what they kind of rolled out there, um, I thought it was fine. I, Corey, Corey, was it Corey Gaynor had a bad hold? That was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, I thought overall I, they played pretty well. I mean, again, within the context of what we're coming from, right? So compared to 2019, I thought like Jared Williams was good. <laughs> I thought he was good. I thought Usman was good. You know, John Campbell held his own. Um, here's, a, here's a question for you. Why wasn't Usman playing last season uh, for Butch Berry? <laughs> I can't get to the bottom of that. I mean, it's some sort of eligibility snafu. So, you know, he did play against Bethune-Cookman. And then I think some – he's a JUCO guy, right? So I think something happened – eligibility wise after he played and Miami had to shut him down. Um, at least that's what Manny Diaz said. Manny Diaz said he would have been playing in that last month of the season when injury started hitting the offensive line, but eligibility issues popped up. I don't know the details of those issues, but that's why I guess we're just now seeing him play this year. But yeah, no. I think he looked, I overall, I got, zero realistic complaints about the offensive line. Um, Again, like you said, are they perfect? No. Do they need to keep improving week to week to week? Yes. That's the challenge of every position group during (laughs) the course of a season. Um, But starting point, new offense, game one, I, I couldn't have asked for them, you know, to do more. Let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Can I make one more offensive point? Yeah, you, you get one more in. 
So, and it, it kind of ties into defense, but one thing that I was impressed with uh, was just how um, we, could, we could see the offense complement the defense. And what do, what do I mean by that? So when the defense, when UAB scored a touchdown, on the next drive, the next possession Miami had, uh, Miami went down and scored a touchdown of their own. So, you know, establishing that, that gap uh, or that margin, um, number one, it, it, said, it shows that Derek King can lead a team when things get tight on the scoreboard. He can go get a touchdown. Uh, and then secondly, it helps your defense. Um, when, when your defense has that lead, it, it allows them to not play tight, if that makes sense. So, again, think about last year's offense. When UAB goes out and scores the first touchdown, do we think last year's offense would have gone and responded with an immediate touchdown? I don't know. When UAB um, tightens the score up, I think in the, in the third quarter, 17-14, I think if I have that right, um, you know, would, would last year's offense gone and, and scored a touchdown immediately to, to uh, establish that, that margin? I don't know, but this year's offense did that, and I don't think that's something that can be overlooked. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, quick break. We'll get into the defense on the other side. I also want to give some thoughts on now that we've seen Rhett Lashley's offense, like what that means for recruiting. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Okay, David, we kind of did not like a deep dive on the offense, but we, we kind of got into it uh, there. Defensively, can we just start with where the most disappointing thing is, and that is cornerback. Like, Yeah, I mean, we, and, can't, we can't sugarcoat it, you know? Like, what, what was that? Yeah, and, you know, I think I've made it fairly clear on the podcast that I, I do have some concerns about the cornerback group, um, you know, and, and look, I think specifics, we're talking about DJ Ivy, right? Um, not the greatest performance. We got to call no. it, we got to call it how we see it. You know, I do think, I mean, look, it's unfortunate that Mark Pope, Mark Pope muffed the punt and, and right. gave UAB such great field position. Um, so, you know, I think half of that touchdown, you know, is, is at fault. Mark Pope is at fault, right? But there's no doubt that the coverage or, or the ability to 
uh, not locate the ball on that play, that touchdown catch by Austin Watkins in the first quarter, that wasn't good. That wasn't good by DJ Ivy. And, and honestly, he, he allowed another catch um, down, the later sidelines. In, down the sideline. It was like a 29 yarder. I mean, look, I, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but honestly, I, on that play, I would give credit to the quarterback throwing a dime and the receiver, you know, getting his feet in on the sideline. But again, DJ Ivy does need to be better. I agree. Um, What do you, like, what do you think that means for Louisville? I mean, it's, it's early, but uh, Louisville has legit receivers. What would you do there? I would play to Corey Couch. Uh, I don't know. I would ask Trajan Bandy to leave the Steelers <laughs> Steelers practice squad. I mean, love DJ Ivy as the kid, and I don't want to sit here and, and hamper on him. It's just, you know, what, what, he's year three now. Like, I, I was just expecting more. Maybe, maybe it was a bad game, and Austin Watkins is probably a guy that will be playing on Sundays yeah. or have a chance to play. So it's not like this was some wide receiver for Bethune-Cookman. It's just – you know, like those are not like technique things, but man, I mean, at least make one of those plays. Um, so I yeah. don't know. I, I think Pro Football Focus, you posted the grades uh, on our site and to Corey Couch graded out in the in the top 10. I'm just wondering, are we going to get to a point at s- somewhere down the line where it's Couch playing over uh, DJ Ivy? Like, I think that's certainly realistic. Here's my thing. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves maybe with Louisville, but I think it's worth bringing up. Uh, overall, Miami's, Miami's defense did a good job against Austin Watkins, containing him. Where, where they didn't necessarily do a good job was containing the slot receiver, Myron yeah. Mitchell, who went, yeah. went for 100-plus. I think you look at Louisville, obviously they have, you know, is he a slot guy? Is he an outside guy? He lines up everywhere, but Tutu Atwell, um, one of the most explosive receivers in the country. Um, you know, I think if I was Miami, I would just play to Corey couch more as a nickel corner. Yeah, slot and, guy. Right. So, so he's lined up against Tutu Atwell the majority of the game or just have him. you know, you don't really see this at the college level, but Maybe just have them shadow Tutu. I don't know. But um, I agree, like, maybe a transition needs to start happening where we see more to Corey Couch as an outsider or a wide corner rather than in the slot. I will say against UAB, he did line up 14 snaps as an outside corner um, compared to 12 snaps as a slot guy or as a nickel corner. So... um, Maybe we see more to Corey Couch in that role. Um, but there's, I think it's also worth pointing out, look, DJ Ivy wasn't good. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. But last year he did bounce back after bad performances. Like he had bad games last year too. The following week, he typically bounced back and, you know, made some plays. I think he had a couple interceptions in some of those bounce back games. So we'll see how he responds. Uh, another, you know, stuff you see on social media, like a lot of people not happy with the defensive performance. I don't get that either. I mean, yeah, maybe there wasn't any big plays, but I looked it up fourth time in the Manny Diaz era. The defense has not got a turnover, uh, produced a turnover. 
and and those other three games were all losses. So yeah. um, I, I've said it in the past, like I think Miami's kind of designed where they live and die by the turnover. So if you can win a game by double digits without forcing a turnover or or winning the turnover margin like that should be a positive. And I, I, I'm going to tease this. Like, I think just kind of looking at the numbers at some point down the line, Miami's going to have a huge game where they benefit with a ton of turnovers. Like that game is coming. I don't know when, um, but they kind of, that's, that's, if you follow football, like this, the numbers are pointing to that. So is it Louisville? I don't know. Is it Florida state? Maybe uh, we, we will see, but I, I thought the defense overall was solid. Yeah. Jalen Phillips had a good game. Quincy Roche had a good game. Um, Got to point out two of my two of my dogs on on the D line. <laughs> Cam Williams was in there and Gerard Harrison yeah, Hunt. Yeah, and they got a lot of runs. So I I was sitting on my couch. I was fired up about that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, was it a flashy, dominant defensive performance? No, um, but it was a good performance. They they did their job, and, and like you alluded to earlier in the podcast. If it wasn't for a muff punt, they probably only allow seven points, right? So I think you would obviously take that every single week of the season. Um, I will say, you know, you look at the the quarterback pressures or the sack totals, and they're not great. Um, and I I think we got to give UAB some credit. Yes, man. In that they're regard, sch- yeah, they're scheming. You know, the first drive was pretty scripted and that was like a bender break situation for Miami. I mean, they figured it out, but the the game plan for UAB was clearly to get the ball out as fast as possible. Their average time to throw um, from Tyler Johnston, their starting quarterback was 2.3 seconds. So every time he threw the ball, it was out in an average time of 2.3 seconds. It's almost impossible to sack a quarterback faster than 2.3 2.3 seconds, right? Yeah. Um, so, yes, this was clearly UAB's game plan. Get the ball out as quick as possible. Uh, nullify Miami's athletic pass rush. So I think that needs to be pointed out. I think, too, one thing that needs to be pointed out is overall the tackling. You know, a lot's been made of, about tackling in, in 2020 after that BYU-Navy uh, game. Overall, <sighs> overall, the tackling was pretty good. Um, you know, pro football focus credited Miami with only missing five tackles in the game. So I think, again, you would take that performance every week of the season. You know, missed tackles are going to happen. It wasn't so, Georgia Tech 2019. It was not 30 missed tackles, no. Um, let me – I get, like, do you have a game ball you would give out on defense or uh, – or like, I mean, they just played so many dang guys on defense. It's like not yeah. frustrating or annoying, but it's like you, you can't. Like, if I'm one of those players, how do I get into a rhythm? Because you're consistently rotating guys in and out. So, okay, I don't know about game ball, but one guy that definitely flashed to me was Bubba Bolden. Um, yeah, particularly. You know, he wasn't really tested in coverage, but the way he was coming down, you know, crashing downhill and tackling in space, you know, fill in the lanes, I definitely noticed him uh, multiple times during the game. So I thought that was positive. Um, You know, honestly, I think Bradley Jennings did his job. Um, And then, you know, Quincy Roche, 
uh, also also looked good on the edge too. If I was going to say, okay, I want to see this guy step up a little more, I would honestly highlight Zach McLeod. I, I need more from him. Uh, uh, honestly, like I don't even remember him to be honest. Right, 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 right. So just, you know, be more impactful. Um, I'm just curious to see if, if we see that happen at Louisville. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned the young guys like Jared Harrison Hunt. I mean, man, just looks like a freak. Um, Dude, we are going to be – I cannot wait to shove it down anyone. We got him as an 88. Uh. <laughs> and then Nesta. You know, Nesta no, did that, Nesta, Yeah, Nesta, you know, Greg Russo is the president of his fan club or yeah. was one on her podcast, and I thought Nesta did have a, a pretty good game. I think he was only credited with, like, one pressure, though, right? Um, one pressure, yes. But he was active against the run, you know, Um he was disruptive. So, uh, you know, that's a good sign because Nesta, I don't think it was like his, the, the same level of performance we saw him have against FSU last year, but it was close, um, which is a good sign. Um, since I had the ability to sit down and write down notes, uh, going, going through my, my notes here, uh, Jalen Knighton looks like yeah. he's going to be a star, right, man? Yeah, no doubt. Um, honestly, like Don Chaney's long run didn't look bad either. Uh, but I'm with you, like in terms of like quickness, vision, uh, Knighton's on a on a different level than Chaney. Uh, Chaney's still very, very good. No, yeah. But, but yeah, Knighton, it's just like, you know, I think as the season progresses, we're going to see him get more and more and more touches. I mean, they got Cam Harris the ball a ton of times. Uh, you know, I think he was the leading receiver, right? In receptions. I think he had four receptions and then obviously he carried the ball a ton of times. So is there any, is there any word on the severity of his injury? Well, he talked to us after the game. He said he was fine. And I will say, like, I know, I know it was a TV timeout um, when when they were attending to him. He stood up, he kind of bounced a little bit on his leg and then jogged off the field without a limp and appeared to be fine. Um, so again, you never know, but I think he's fine. He, he maintained very strongly that he was, he was fine after the game. One, one of my other notes here, uh, and this is, this is a long time gripe I, I have. So <laughs> after night, I think ripped off that, that monster run, the announcer goes up. Oh, yep. The running back out of Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> um, then they flash on the screen that Jalen Knighton is, uh, I, I guess maybe hometown was Lauder Hill. And of course we all know he played at Deerfield beach. So, I mean, at this point, like just say Broward guys, Broward <laughs> County. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we're getting off, uh, we're getting <laughs> off the rails here, but I didn't know, I guess I didn't know. I didn't realize that they were going to be calling the game remotely which, you know, that's just the reality in 2020, right? Just home studios. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess this isn't off the rails. What was the environment like? I mean, not in the press box. I don't think anyone really cares. Like, they don't really know right. what that is. But what, did you, what was the feeling like going into the stadium? You know, Miami, I think they only announced 8,000 people there, 13,000 tickets available. My take on that, like, I don't think they're selling alcohol. You can't tailgate. Yeah. I'm not surprised people don't want to go. Um, 
Right. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it definite like snarky sports writers slash the rival fan bases always want to take shots at, at Miami's uh, home attendance, right? Um, but with that being said, like it was noticeably empty, right? Like, you know, opposing fan bases and sports writers will take shots when Miami only has 40 to 45,000 fans in the stands. Um, that's, it, that type of capacity would have seemed uh, significantly more compared to what we saw last night against UAB. So yeah, it, it definitely didn't seem like it was close to 13,000 fans at all. Um, and they announced 8,000, which I think was a fair number. I could definitely see that. And like, to your point, there, I don't blame anyone there, for not going either. Was there like crowd noise? Because what they said on the, on right. the broadcast, and I didn't even know about this until the rule, uh, I guess the teams have to agree if you can pump in stadium noise and UAB and Miami couldn't find a, a middle ground shocker. Like why would a road team be like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely pump this in. Right. So, I mean, did it just sound like really quiet? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen we've seen high school games at, at Hard Rock and it was it was kinda like that, right? So yeah, I mean it, it was it was definitely quiet. So um, um the crowds are definitely gonna be a factor this season across the country. It'll be interesting to follow. I mentioned I wanted to kind of talk a little uh recruiting now that we've seen yeah. Game one of Rhett Lashley. Uh, my initial takeaway, like if you're Thad Franklin and you do not want to play in this yeah. offense, you are, what are, you doing? You are yeah, you are crazy. Like this is tailor-made for you. Uh, number two, and this again is game one, but it seems like you need a pretty mobile quarterback. Yes. Uh, or that's well, ideal. ideally. Yes. Right? Ideally. And, you know, this was why – you know, it, in the J- Jake Garcia, Jalen Milrow debate, I was team Jalen Milrow for that reason. Like, I'm kind of all about the quarterback that has the ability to hurt you with his legs. Now, look, Jake Garcia, you got to get him. If he wants to come all day, you take him. He's a big-time talent in his own right. But I think when you have a quarterback that has that run ability too, we've seen how that element puts pressure on a defense and opens things up for the rest of the offense too. So yes, I'm with you. Ideally, hopefully moving forward, Miami can, can add quarterbacks that bring that run element as well. It would have been interesting to see like Tyler Van Dyke, the freshman quarterback, if he had got in what, what changes or, or whatnot, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, Rhett said on the 24-7 sports social distance series, it's a power spread. And <laughs> I was like three series into that game. I'm like, okay, this is a power spread. And I, again, you know, from who I talked with, like they want to definitely take more vertical shots, but right. you know, it's easy to see why they were looking at Jalen Milrow, uh, Demetrius Davis, the quarterback from Houston North right. Shore who ended up committing to Auburn. Like I think he would fit this offense well. And even – Jay Allen, the Florida baseball commit who was at the Elite 11, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, could, I could definitely see why they're interested in him after watching what I saw last night just because he has the ability to keep plays alive and, you know, you don't have to make as many uh, high-level throws as expected. Now, if you can do that, that's, that's a plus. Uh, also, I, I think 
you know, and I mentioned this about the offense alignment earlier, like it, we see why they want road graders, athletic guys now, like they're not going to try to get bad bodies. You got to be athletic. You got to be able to drive uh, if you're on that offensive line. Well, to that point, if you get athletic quarterbacks that can buy time, um, you know, give me run blocking offensive linemen, if that's the case, if that makes sense. So give me guys who will bury you into the ground uh, when you establish the run and, you know, your wide splits, your scheme, your athletic quarterback kind of just helps the pass protection on its own. Right. So I'm with you there. What about receiver? If you're a receiver, you also got to like this too. I mean, we saw Marshall few out there. I mean, they were rotating a lot of guys. Yeah. At, I mean, at I, receiver. Didn't, I didn't even think of it out like that. Like have your Brashard Smith or Romello Brinson. I mean, my, again, like Miami needs someone to step up and be like yeah. the dude. And I, and the, the rotation was pretty deep. I mean, there was times when Jeremiah Payton was in there um, yeah. pretty early on getting, getting looks, but yeah, like if you're, if you're one of these guys that's committed, I, I would think that I got a chance to come in and make plays, especially because I'm assuming Mike Harley will be gone. Um, I don't know. One other thing I think that just needs to be touched on. We don't have to get deep into it. Penalties. I think last year, right in the season opener, again, it's Florida, uh, much tougher Crowd. team. I get <laughs> yeah. it. Crowd. 14 penalties versus three against UAB. So, you know, I, I do think that's, that's somewhat impressive. Um, okay. Last thing we can wrap things up. Do you, do you think this is a, like, do you, the way I'm viewing this is this was a very good starting point. Now it's kind of like the, the challenge is what are you going to do to build on this performance? Um, and if Miami can build on this performance, honestly, on both sides of the ball, this team can be pretty good. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah. I mean, I just kind of had this thought in my head. Uh, like where do uh where does this rank in in terms of complete performances for manny in, in, in wins of his tenure well, like i i think it'd yeah. be in the upper half correct i mean that's the challenge like that out, outside of that 2017 season right we have never really seen miami have a top it, it's lesser teams this year, so but I'm saying in a typical year, top 40-ish offense and a top 40-ish defense. Now, the defense lately especially has kind of been top 25 level. So let's say, and again, this is obvious, this has been the challenge for Miami this entire offseason. Maintain that top 25-ish defense and get the offense to that top 40 level. Um, you know, I don't think either side we can necessarily say we know is at those levels yet, but I think it's, it's certainly possible and capable if they continue to progress and develop. And if that happens, you know, Miami's going to win eight, nine, maybe 10 games this year. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I just, I just pull up the schedule and I, I mean, this could sound silly to the listeners, but like this was sent win number seven for, for Manny Diaz, excuse me. Like, I think if you had to rank his wins, uh, you know, FSU probably one. Virginia could be sure. number one as well. Those are probably top two. Louisville would be three. Uh, Pittsburgh would be four. And then the other two are Bethune and Central Michigan. Like these to me are better performances than that. Probably yes. better performance across the board than the Pittsburgh performance. So this is like a top four win 
for Manny Diaz. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just thought this was a, a pretty complete game. And look, they didn't force a ton of turnovers and they won by double digits. So covered the spread. I mean, I don't know. I don't understand the, the gripes and complaints. Again, how many games last year did they score more than 30 points against an FBS opponent? It was two. I don't know. Okay. Louisville and Virginia Tech. So, um, you know, and, and let's remember, Miami played three uh, group of five teams last year. Uh, Central Michigan, 17 points. Uh, FIU, 24, 24 points, I believe. And yeah. then, of course, the goose egg against Louisiana Tech. So, um, again, we have to put this in context. What is this offense coming from in 2019? Uh, I understand if, if you had extreme expectations uh, about what the offense would look like going into this season. I think maybe by the end of the year, it might reach those expectations if you had really high expectations. But as a starting point, something to build from, I don't have any issues with with the offense or defense from the UAB game. Uh, you're, not, you're not getting them for me. Dude, they ran for 74 yards against Louisiana Tech last season. Oh, the run, <laughs> the run offense last year was straight up trash. Like, it was bad. Uh, that, that, to me, was the biggest thing Manny uh, needed to address this, this offseason. Uh, you know. maybe, maybe Garen Justice should get some, some credit as well. Um, reminder guys, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, still time to sign up for our pick'em challenge with dime life, uh, games will lock, um, 11 AM Eastern time on Saturday, 10 game slate. You're picking against the spread free to sign up. I think we're up to 300 people are signed up for the competition. Winner gets a $250 credit to use at dime life. That is the clothing brand by DJ Williams. DJ also said on our podcast, if you beat him come season's end, meaning you more you pick more correct games than him, he's going to give you 25% off a credit. If you guys want to sign up through the smoke dot, oh God, cbsfootball.com. I don't know. It's I got it. In, through the smoke dot football dot cbsports.com. And the link is in the show notes. Um, Let me ask you, who you got? Georgia Tech? Getting minus 12 and a half or Florida I, State. Let's go. I, I, you can't put me on the spot. Like, I am now a, I'm national, going a nas- national member. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what Florida State uh, fans are listening to this. No, okay, I, I I'll think- tell you. Georgia Tech, 12 and a half. <laughs> Give it. Yeah. There's some other good ones. What do you got, Syracuse or North Carolina? I'm going UNC covering 21 and a half. Yeah, it'll be a fun day. Fun day of football. I'm, I'm, I'm actually firing up the smoker. I'm going to make uh, some ribs that are basted in Chick-fil-A sauce. So uh, that's going to be uh, interesting. But appreciate it, guys. We will talk to you probably Monday. Take care.